Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arsaholics. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and you've got Aaronen joining from Budapest. You've got Mize joining from Essex. And you've got hey, me joining from, put some from respect. South London. Put some respect on the <laughs> okay, name. We're going global. Well, nothing can kind of compare to your antics in the Caribbean, mate. You know, I've, I've turned off. I've still got my top on. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was pretty battered, um, as as we all were on Sunday, absolutely oh, yes. obliterated. As you know, for those of you tuning on YouTube, you can see I'm in my Arsenal kit. That's because I haven't changed in a few days. You know, I've just been absolutely binging um, since just the most epic epic of days on Sunday. And do you know, what? I'm really optimistic that we're going to get loads of new listeners today because. You know, I think Arsenal fans everywhere are reading every blog, listening to every podcast, watching highlights in every type of language um, that they can, because it was just a glorious day. I mean, guys, are you still basking in the awesomeness that was Sunday? Yeah, yeah. I've been waking up mm. um, last couple of mornings, just woken up extremely happy. Like you can't really uh, match the buzz of beating Tottenham. Um, yeah, it just it may, makes your weekend, but it also makes your week, doesn't it? Um, yeah, still still buzzing. Still got the chance ringing around in my head. We were just singing it, weren't we, Rog? Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, just been been an amazing few days for us, really. And we yeah, are... I, God. Just like, I don't want to... I, so I've been a season ticket holder for a few years. I know you guys have been going a lot, lot, lot longer. But Pro we're proper, we're proper me, old school, isn't it? We're like... yeah. All right, all right, calm down. <laughs> but for me, it was one of the best home games I've ever been to. No, I think I'd probably say that. Like, and I, don't, I know, like, yeah, and even it compares. It sounds crazy, right? Because I know it's just a derby, but it compares for me, like, some of the finals and semifinals I've been to at Wembley, for example, in terms of just the atmosphere before the game during the game and after the game. I know more is at stake during some finals and we probably had bigger stakes Premier League games, but for me, the atmosphere was like the whole the whole day was insane. Yeah, I was going to say the atmosphere, like North London derbies. So I guess it's probably worth us saying, right, for fans that, I guess a number of fans that listen to us and just in general probably haven't had the chance to go to a North London derby. Mm. Um and we all know like it's it's our game of the season in terms of the rivalry and it's the one that we look forward to and especially as you know we go to majority of games it's the game that we look forward to going to the most because the atmosphere is always rocking um and uh yeah it, you know it spurs but um this this particular derby just seemed to have like another edge oh, not an edge to it but it just seemed to be on like a level up compared to previous ones. There was just something on the, on the day. I don't know if it was, um, I, I don't know. I don't actually know what it was. Um, I don't know if it was the fact that, you know, the, 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 the new players were starting again and we kind of had a new look team or the last couple of wins, or it's just, you know, it's been so bad recently. Like this was the game that everyone was up for, but um, yeah, the atmosphere yeah. was just on a, on another level. And like, yeah, I'm, I know we're going to talk about it, but pre-match was just unbelievable. The whole, the whole day, the whole day, was was unbelievable i think i don't like i've had this theory that this season because we're not in europe each home game just feels that little bit more special as well because you know you're saying if you miss one game you, you don't get to go for another a month before you can come back again maybe five six weeks if you throw in an international break so i feel like whereas last season or when we were going regularly, you had Europa League, you miss a game, you know, it would be like, okay, cool, I'll see you on Thursday um, for the next game. And each game feels up a little bit more special. And then when you throw in the fact that we haven't had a, a North London derby with fans for a long time as well, and the fact that, you know, it was a decent kickoff time, loads of people were drinking before the game and after the game and stuff. It, I think everything, plus what you said, Myers, is like a new team, new signings i think all of those things has contributed to a really good atmosphere so, because it's like a really nice kind of almost hollywood storyline wasn't it you've got the first few games of the season it's all you know it's dead and but we're dead and buried we're not scoring a goal literally not scoring a goal getting getting hammered 
by teams that you know have always hammered us and teams that have, have never hammered us and then you get all these signings and it's this kind of like phoenix rising from the ashes almost like you know but not just with regards to the team with regards to the fans as well you know it felt like everyone was down and out and then everyone kind of pulled together and said come on like, let's do this you got these new signings in young team and you beat you, know, you beat one team and Norwich and yeah okay like they're okay and then you, you go away to Burnley and say like, oh yeah it's okay it's, it's like the ascension to the to the to the big bad guy at the end of the film which is like Tottenham and it's like are, are, you know have they grown enough are they good enough can is it, are we going to be able to do this test and it really felt like that right because it felt like everyone had grown together the team the fans had grown together over these coming weeks and it was just this explosion of like everything that could go right going right in that in that 45 minutes but before we i guess get to the game let's talk because you know there's so many other blogs out there there's so many podcasts out there that will will talk about tactics um and and go into a lot of detail and, and we are going to talk about the game don't get me wrong but obviously what we try and do as the arseholics is as those of you who listen to us know we try and bring you the match day experience and, and what it was like at the game and some of the things that you might not have been able to see it on TV and it might not have been picked up by people who weren't at the game. And so just going from the start, it's a 4.30 kickoff, right? So it's a, it's a late kickoff. Everywhere, it's a Sunday, but it doesn't matter. Everyone, generally speaking, is is there really and, and trying to socialise and trying to have a drink. And, you know, we were no different. We got there at, what time? About, about one-ish, I think. You know, we were, I think we had ambition. Mize, I think you said, oh, at the beginning, there was ambitions for 11, 12. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it didn't quite work. I think it was earlier than we, to be fair, but yeah, it was around that right time. Yeah, if we started at 11, I don't think we would have made it till. <laughs> would have made the game, to be honest. But when we got to the race, I think we, you know, we, well, well, Aaron and you and I had a, had a drink initially somewhere that we've never drunk before. Um, I even forget what it's called. It was, I want to say it's like the Duke of Edinburgh or something like that. <laughs> Duke of Kent. Duke of Duke Kent, Kent. Something. Yeah, I apologise to the pub, um, but it was just off Holloway Road, a couple of side streets, um, you know, as you walk up to the stadium, so it wasn't on the on the on the on the main road. But then we went up to the Horatia, and to be honest, by the time when 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 Aaron and I got to the Horatia, Mize and, and Nero were already in there, and it, it can't have been later than two yeah. two ish, two o'clock. And Aaron and I couldn't get in. <laughs> you know, it was it was full, like, and they weren't letting. They were all there in. from eleven o'clock, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but it was buzzing, wasn't it, guys? Like the Horatia was absolutely buzzing. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was. It was the chance. Were, the chance were going. Um, everyone was obviously getting on it, like you said. Good kickoff time, even though it was a Sunday, it doesn't really seem to matter. Um, and it was just, it was just a game that everyone was sort of looking forward to. It's, it's when you have a North London derby quite early on in the season. Um, you know, you're already, you're already looking forward to that game, despite the other games that you had beforehand. And um, yeah, everyone was just gearing up, uh, gearing up for it. And um, yeah, the, the, the pub was rocking. Really, the pub was rocking. And, yeah, helped a bit when the the Jager bombs came out as well. So, <laughs> and they did come yeah. out, and they continued. And um, by the time we we got to the stadium, um, and we got there a little bit early because I think you know we we planned to have a drink in the concourse. I mean, the, it was it was just vibrant. The chants were just you know off the chain. And and to be honest, like it it had been escal- as I said before, it had been escalating through these home games. Every home games felt a little bit better. Was and 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 there was this. Just, just great atmosphere. Did you? And, and then I think around that time, team news started leaking out, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think the one thing that's helped the atmosphere at home this season is the club are doing two for one on beers. Yeah, for people who get there over an hour before. So I assume a lot of people have taken up the club on that offer and perhaps had been in the ground considerably earlier, um, and it was. It was loud and it was it was pumping. Yeah, it wasn't just loud. But I mean, we're block nine. Um, it was loud, yeah, loud is one way to describe it. But it was it was one of those games where, you know, you were getting the huddles of fans. Um, you know, a hundred fans or so. Uh, you know, um, singing songs, um, jumping around, beers going up in the air. I think we posted a few videos and and some stuff on social media. Uh, uh, um, and this was like yeah, an hour before the game, so. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty mental. And the flares, I, the flares went off, and then suddenly all the, the uh, and then oh, it was yeah. like was the, in, um, the barriers came down. That was before the game. Yeah, oh, someone yeah, left a flame before the game oh. set off a smoke alarm. I I have seen one hypothesis this season that um, because of COVID, a lot of the older regulars are not going, 
and mm. therefore their tickets have been snapped up by younger fans because I don't know about you guys, but it definitely seems that there are a lot more people in their kind of early 20s, maybe even late teens at the ground. Mm. And that certainly contributes to the noise. I don't definitely. know if we, we fall into that older fans category because we're still going. Or maybe I do, but... Well, it was, it was funny. <laughs> no, no, in, all, in all seriousness, like, because like, I was at the, um, you know, I was at the Palace Brighton game the next day. And when I was talking to my mate, when I was talking to Kish, and Kish did, he mentioned, he dropped that comment and he goes, you know, suddenly we've got a lot more, you know, all these clubs, including Palace, getting a lot more young fans coming through. And he made a comment. He was just like, and, you know, you guys, you know, you're, you're kind of transitioning to the older guard. And, and I was like, and I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? what are you talking about? <laughs> it's really got, it's got a point to be fair, but maybe a few more years. Yeah, but it feels good. Like, you know, because there's, there's a lot of this fan base, a lot of this new fan base, um, not you, but sorry, a lot of the younger fan base, they hadn't experienced the Wenger years, right? So they don't have that baggage. I mean that in a good way. Like, and I'm not, that's no disrespect to the Wenger era, but, you know, we came through this era. We, we, we came through the Invincibles. We, you know, we, we had all of that. And then there was all the turmoil that happened after that and all the like, you know, not necessarily being as good as we were before and all the, the, the success that the Emirates was supposed to bring us, but, you know, hasn't thus far. They don't have that baggage. You know, and I think I think that I think there's something to be said for that. But um, but anyway, you know, if we let, let's go to the game, guys, because we, you know, we get into the stands, we've seen the lineup. There was a little bit of a surprise, um, in terms of Xhaka starting. I think people were were wondering I, I he'd come back it. into the team. You did call it. Well done. Well done. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, uh, but I, but I do but but you know, like I I think that. All right, let, let, let's put it this way. I think people, the general sentiment of the fans overall was whether they thought it would happen or not, didn't quite want it to happen. Yeah. Um, but but it happened. And, you know, let's just, as a summary of the first half, before we go into some of the details, I mean, can you, faultless team selection, faultless tactics, faultless in every department. Is Does that summarise the first half? I don't know if Aaron is frozen or not. Are you there? I'm still here. I'm still oh, here. sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can, mate. We can. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that probably is a good summary, Raj. I mean, yeah, what you can't, yeah, faultless is probably the right word. There isn't very much you could say. I don't I can't think of anything that really went wrong. I know Spurs did have a couple of chances from memory. I don't really remember much to be honest, because it was pretty hammered. But um, I think Spurs had a couple of chances, but yeah, we were we 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 were just unbelievable, really. Um and it reminded me, like thinking about it after the game. So thinking about it, obviously it's Tuesday today. So last couple of days, just sort of reflecting on the game. It reminded me of, there's been a couple of games in the past, like in the recent past where we've blitzed teams in the first half. I think it was United we did. Um, and Liverpool. And Liverpool. And Chelsea. Didn't we do that Chelsea? Yes. Conte, and then they yes. Yeah, when they won the league. Um, so like it reminded me of that kind of performance where they just came out um, well up for it which is not something you can necessarily say about some of the you know a lot of the times uh, a lot of the, lot of the games and how we start them and um yeah i mean look everyone was on it um from front to back you know everyone had a really really good first half and obviously there was some there were some standout players and like you said we're going to get into the detail but yeah faultless is probably the right word faultless is probably the right word yeah and I think what was what was interesting is, is from where we sit, it's very hard to get a um, a real understanding of space and some of the positional kind of nuances of what's actually happening on the pitch. So it, it looked to us like it was just a case of you know Arsenal. I think starting at a hundred percent with everyone focused, everyone understanding exactly what their roles were, um, and and everyone executing it. We interestingly. You know, when you look at the analysis that's happened of the game, Monday Night Football did a really good piece on this. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Jamie Carragher was talking yeah. about Tottenham's tactics. And it's it's amazing because it looked like, what from what his analysis suggested, it looked like the way Tottenham played was intentional. They intentionally made a lot of those decisions around like not putting players in the in midfield. I mean, to us, when you're watching it, it just looked like it was one team that wanted to play football and the other that didn't want to be there. You know, let's be honest. I mean, it, it just it it looked like you, from the facial expressions, everything. I mean, Aaron, and what did you think? Because 
when when you looked at the Tottenham lineup, it really was a case of a lot of attacking talent on that pitch, right? Kane, Son, Mora, Ali. I didn't know how they were going to all fit together, but it looked like, well, this is a team that's going to go for it. But what do you think? I mean, I... My my theory here is that they saw what Brentford tried, which was getting balls to Tony and hope and Tony winning all these headers against Ben White, and they kind of expected that to happen again. And they tried to knock all these long balls to Kane, and then but instead this time Ben White was just winning them all, mm. and and Deli Ali and um, and Dombele just. Uh, nowhere near the required level i thought son was good and son was about the, the best player for them apart from that everyone else was considerably worse and why my steve how much of it is down to the manager and his tactics but how much did did you feel that tottenham players just weren't up for it, it you you got that impression um from like the amount of effort we showed versus the amount of effort they seem to show. Um, and I don't know, it's hard. To, I'd be surprised if these guys came out and just weren't up for a North London derby. And most of, most of these Spurs players have played in one before. You look looking at people like Kane and, and Ali and stuff and so on. So I don't know if it's that they weren't up for it. Maybe we were just that good in the first half and we just like absolutely blitzed them and maybe took them by surprise a little bit. You know, it's not like we've been pulling up the trees in recent weeks. We've not been smashing in the goals apart from in the League Cup. So um Maybe it was a case of that. They were just almost a bit shell-shocked. And their tactics did seem a bit a bit weird. Like, yeah, I, I did see that Monday Night Football piece. And, um, yeah, to not play, to not have, to have three midfielders and not, none of them pretty much to be in, like, occupying any space in central midfield that does seem a bit strange. And there was a tweet. I don't know if you guys saw this. I don't think I retweeted, actually. I was meant to send it to you guys. There's a tweet where they've, someone's basically taken four separate stills of, um four of Nuno's previous games for four different clubs. So the four clubs that he's managed previously, they've taken stills of like an aerial view of the pitch or like the camera, TV camera view of the pitch. And it's for his four previous clubs. So like Spurs on Sunday, this game, and then Wolves, and then whoever he managed before that in Portugal, I guess. And um, all four of those stills, they're exactly the same, where there's no central midfielders. So you've got your defence, you've got your forwards, and they're just a massive like chasm of space in between. And um, yeah, that was doing the round. So that was quite, quite funny, really. But I don't know if that's uh, like a common tactic of his or like a common kind of failing of his. But yeah, man, I think I think we were just we were just unbelievable at first. I think you just got to give Arsenal credit. I think when it's due, you just got to give Arsenal credit. And um, yeah, you have to give them credit, I think, because of the fact that it, it was a plan that Tottenham had. Clearly, they set up a certain way and they you know, as we've said, we've talked about Ben White's dominance over Harry Kane. Uh, ultimately, we have to execute our plan better than than, than them. And, and we did that. I mean, let's talk about, because it was, again, a bit of an ascension. You know, we, we started... At the beginning, it was, it, was, it was okay. And then it got better and it, it got better. And then it kind of just then exploded with that first goal, didn't it? So, like, yeah. what did you, what yeah, did you, exactly. I mean, what did you make of it? Because that, that, you know, our first couple of goals, um, it, there was, there was some, Emil Smith Rowe was the heartbeat, really, of those goals. But actually, there was a lot of players involved. And it did look like, in both those instances, it looked like a very sort of choreographed set of movements. Yeah. I just felt that the first two goals were a result of us having players everywhere in the pitch that could pass the ball well. And technical players who, even if there's a bit of pressure, can can move the ball, move the ball quickly, and find their man, and and that was it. It felt like you know there was a stat that said that this was basically the Arteta's five new um, five new signings plus the other players he had given new contracts to, and it very much seemed like this was what he's been building towards which is players who are comfortable under pressure, players who are comfortable in their positions, players who can move around and like reposition themselves where needed. And this was the plan coming together. Yeah, I think to clarify that, that stat, I think, I think what it was was the, the 11 that finished the pitch, six were her, there were six new signings and five that were given 
new contracts by Arteta yeah. and and only two players were over the age of 23. Mm. Mm. And there's a there's a, there's an interesting um other you know kind of piece of analysis where it talks about how Arsenal played especially in that that first half which was a lot of the passes had a lot of intention. Right. So if we look, if we just remember back to that first goal, right? I'm trying, we, although it, start, it started sort of down the left hand side, but worked its way through. And then we end up on the, on the right with Bukayo Saka. And the, 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 the place that Emil Smith Rowe finds himself in for that goal, I mean, it's just the perfect, it was what Aaron Ramsey was doing. It was, you know, when you want that box to box player, I think what Arteta sort of challenged him to do. Is you know is is be in those positions arrive late. It was perfect, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you can't talk about the goals and you can't talk about the first half without talking about Smith Rowe and Saka. And like, I mean, I, you, you almost start start struggling to sort of put it into words when you consider the kind of age of these players in experience. I know they are experienced because they've been playing first team football, especially Saka for a couple of years and Smith Rowe since last season. But, you know, despite that, these are the go-to guys now for us. It's it's pretty mental when you think about it. And then you add Erdogan into the mix. He's not exactly a, an old timer as well. And um, yeah, I mean, look, on that on that first goal, it, pretty much what you said, Roger, I mean, I didn't actually think of the the Ramsey comparison until you just mentioned it but yeah it was very very much like Aaron Ramsey um in terms of yeah arriving late into the box or per- timed perfectly the, the run into the box and I guess when you've got a player like Saka who you know uh you know he can deliver a final ball um and you know a little bit of magic from him on the right hand side uh, you know maybe not even a little bit of magic it was a pretty basic step over and then shift the ball and um it's almost like he had a bit of a connection with um Smith Rowe knew where he was going to be and yeah, like you said, it just meets it nicely, and it's uh, it's a it's a pretty easy finish um, because he's timed the run perfectly. And I guess Spurs defensively pretty bad for that goal. Like no one's tracking Smith Rowe. Like he's the one who picks up the ball, and I think he he plays it out to to Saka, I believe, and then makes the run in. I could be wrong on that. Um, so yeah, pretty poor defensively defensively. Sorry from 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 Spurs, but yeah, I mean, it's just a. F- Fantastic first goal. I was going to ask you, Raj, as well, because you mentioned when you started talking about the goals in the first half, or the goals specifically, you said like some, you mentioned that you thought uh, some of the moves were sort of choreographed, I think is the word you used. Do you, do you think that was the case, like with any of the goals, with the first goal? Yeah, I think with the first goal, um, when I say choreographed and passes with intention, what I got the impression is, is that what I think what all the really good teams do is they know to pass into spaces and someone else knows to run into those spaces right it's like it's not by chance like Saka's not putting that ball in you know and just hoping for the best necessarily right he's he's putting that ball in and he's going I'm going to trust someone to make the run because otherwise the ball just goes nowhere because it's not really to anyone right mm. and and that I think Wenger used in the Wenger era that used to happen quite a lot um, and when you when you when you do it effectively, you can't really defend against it because the, the defenders don't really know where. You know, it's not like it's going to a person, so they can't. They're not. They're not. They're not mm-hmm. like covering yeah. someone necessarily. And so there's that. But then you know when we when we look at that second goal, it's it's similarized because the second goal, if you look at Ober, Ober, Ober's pass and his movement immediately afterwards, mm-hmm. he completely knows what what he's going to try and do and what Smith Rowe is going to try and do here. There's so much intention in those passes in that build-up play. In a way, actually, that second goal, you know, going into that second goal, it feels like we got a bit lucky, right? Because Ramsdale kind yeah, of, just the, yeah. the pass was a little bit short. Um, but at the same time, sometimes that's what you need, right? Because when the pass is a bit short and then suddenly the opposition think that they're going to make it, they get dragged out of position. Suddenly some space is open and that's that's kind of what happened. Um, but the pace of that counter, I mean, it was it was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean the second goal, like you said, the Ramsdale. I didn't notice that on the uh, at the game. I only saw it in the highlights um, yesterday. and was watching them back, but yeah, that that pass out. Um, you can't, you can't, you can't really have a go at him because he's been so good since he's come into the team, and he had another good game on Sunday. But um, was it Xhaka He passed it out to because Xhaka did really well. Yeah, shielded yeah. the ball and 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 obviously released it. And yeah, from there it was like uh, again, it was kind of like vintage Arsenal. What we um, what we associate Arsenal to be in terms of not not necessarily counter-attacking because I don't think Arsenal have ever really been a counter-attacking team but 
you know, one and two touch passing, the ball going from back to front pretty quickly. And um, yeah, like every pass was on point. Uh, um, Aubameyang's layoff was like perfect, perfect back to goal. Um, Sanchez behind him and he just he just flicked it around the corner and uh, Smithrow had acres of space to run into. And yeah, like you said, Aubameyang didn't stop there, did he? Um, he made the, as soon as he released the ball, he made the run. And it's like all of the players had that mentality where it was like, you know, the mentality of, you know, let's go direct, let's get players to, into the box, towards the box, let's like take it, to, let's take the game to Spurs. Um, let's not wait for a moment to just happen. We're going to make the moment happen. And that's exactly what they did. It was such a, it was such a um, nice second goal. I thought, I thought Aubameyang was a little bit lucky with the finish. Like he kind of scuffed it. Um, maybe I'm being a, a bit harsh, but yeah, I felt like he was, he was a little bit lucky, but he obviously scuffed it in the right direction where it did it went, in, went into the corner but um yeah it was just another really really good goal and just again like yeah like you said smith row at the heart of it and just you know he's he, he was him and erdegaard just making us tick yesterday uh, sunday sorry so yeah just really thought, really nice to see sorry mate. i thought Xhaka did really well like you said mice mm. um and i was i was one of those who didn't want him to start but I actually thought, I think he played a role in, in that first goal as well. And in all the moves, generally, the first half, he was really good. And fair play, because uh, on another day, um, it could have backfired. And, he, you know, yeah, that was a really bad ball that Ramsdale played into him. I think he really put him under a lot of pressure. And, you know, it could have led to a first goal. But actually, thanks to Jacque, I mean, you could argue that he he fouled the man that when he turned, but he turned it into a really good attacking move and it allowed him to score. So, you know, credit where it's due. He was excellent, like like everyone was. And you know, we spoke about Saka, we spoke about Smith Rowe's role on the first goal, second goal. Something that he did in the third goal, which I think really typifies the style that we seem to be trying to move to and and, and what we were doing that first half is getting the ball forward fast, mm. really fast. It reminds me of Liverpool. In, in that way. Mm. I feel Klopp really wants to get the ball forward fast. And and Smith Rowe's pass to Saka was brilliant for that third goal. You know, he just he really like it was it, it was perfect. It was kind of just threaded down quickly forward at pace and 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 Saka was there. And it goes back to the kind of you know passes with intent thing and people making very, very fast runs to get there. Um and and Saka's persistence on that. I mean can we we need to applaud Harry Kane's role in that goal, though, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he started Absolutely. the move. He, he he was like, you know, I'm going to get back I, to the other end. You know, yeah. brilliant. I, I mean, look. To be fair, he, he was a bit. He was un, he was unlucky at both ends of the pitch, wasn't he? Like, I'm not complaining about it, but he was pretty unlucky, and he did. It was, he did. He did what he needed to do to get back. As in, he makes the tackle, and it's just a ricochet. That Fine, right, nice okay. So I said I said this to someone else, right? If mm. Granite Xhaka had done what Harry Kane had done for that third goal. Mm. And he'd given the ball away at the top of the pitch, legged it back, faked to tackle. I he, just, and... he just fell over the ball, though, didn't he? I don't think he gave it away as such. And he just tripped over the ball. Did it? Okay, well, fine. He he got, yeah, he lost the ball high up the pitch, led to a counter-attack, got back, but fluffed the tackle, and it ended up inadvertently assisting Harry Kane for a goal, for example. Mm. Arsenal and Sky Sports would be absolutely yeah. Kane. I think they would. Jacker. Um I don't know, mate. I don't know. I don't. I think. I think if you. I think. I don't know. I. I uh, the first. So the first. The first action. It seems like he. Gen- I think he just trips over the ball, or he steps on the ball and he falls over. So I think it's just like probably happens one in a thousand times. Um. And then obviously, yeah, he gets back and fine. It's, it's, it. It ends up like not helping the team. Well, it's probably the right way of putting it. But I think he makes the tackle. Like he slides in, he makes the tackle. Yeah. The ball then, like, ricochets that... back off him or back off Saka and it just lands into Saka's path on his left foot and it just puts it Yeah, away. I guess, right I guess the point, remember, but I don't think it's bad defending as such. You know, I don't think he's made a big mistake there, Kane, but it's just one of those where I feel like some players get an easier ride than yeah, others. Okay. Whereas like if Mustafi had done that, if Xhaka had done that, they would have been ridiculed for that for the rest of their careers. Whereas I think because it's Kane, you think, oh, well, he's tried, he's done well to get back and he hasn't done it. I don't, well, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I won't speak about half of the media. I, I agree with you um, about that point you just made, but I mean, like, I'm not looking at this as, like, I don't like Harry Kane. I don't like any Tottenham players. So I'm not looking at this as, uh, 
oh, Harry Kane gets a bye from me. But I just I just generally feel he was quite unlucky. I don't think he did anything wrong when he lost the ball. Okay. I think he just trips over the ball and then he tries to get back and he gets unlucky again. But yeah. And it probably, you know, probably what makes it, what made it funny and what made it easier to focus on was actually like he wasn't having a good first half, right? He wasn't involved in the game and the way that we expect Harry Kane to be. The thing is, you know what I found quite funny? I thought, but when we did the preview for this game, we were very respectfully cautious. Mm. We talked about the danger that Harry Kane um, brings his scoring record in North London derbies. This being said, he hasn't scored a goal from open play at the Emirates since 2015. Ah, so that. he's just had penalties. <clears throat> when he scored at the Emirates, it's it's been yeah penalties. I mm. don't know if there's been a free kick in there. Um, but yeah, you know, look, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not going to go as far as to say is that you know he's anonymous in in these games. That's it's not it's not what I'm saying, but. Um, you know, in big games like this, when you're away from home, you need some special moments. And it, it, it felt like as a combination of all of what's been happening to Tottenham recently, you know, style of play. And I think Harry Kane with the whole Man City situation, um, you know, he probably wasn't in the right frame of mind, perhaps, you know, to, to have the game that he needed to, to, to give to impact a team which was really motivated. Um, and I think it's only fair we do talk about our back five, right? Because and, and their ability to impose themselves and create the situation because you know it was it was a it was a blitzing attacking performance but we said before this game um that this represented the toughest challenge for this new look back five um that they've had quite considerably and and let's look at that lineup right you've got this this new look back five again you're up against harry kane huming son who who in 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 my opinion is actually their best player like so son mm -hmm. kane Lucas Moura, who's a good footballer, who's a good footballer and scored in important moments for Spurs, including, you know, Champions League semi-finals, etc. Deli Ali, who, okay, I know, fine, you know, he used to be good, but like on paper, and, and Dombele, their, you know, record signing or whatever, who is, is, is meant to be very good in both ends of the pitch. And this is our new look back, back five. And, and I mean, Aaron, and what, what did you think? How did you think yeah, they did? I mean, I think, <laughs> I think you're being a bit, generous to some those last two players if i'm being honest i think tottenham in my opinion are two world-class players and then nine very very average ones um you'd say uh, you'd say you'd say lucas moore is an no, average player i think he's better than average yeah personally uh, i don't know not not consistently um you get games where he's pretty good but look, let's be clear those, those front two are as good as any pairing in world football on their day they yeah. are you know you don't get two better like attacking you don't get a better attacking partnership than that pretty much anywhere else right maybe you got Messi and Neymar or something like that and Mbappe but in the Premier League that is about as hard as they come and yeah you can talk about Kane not being on form and and whatnot but there's still one mistake and they could punish you and to be fair they did for that that goal that they did score um but we made it look very comfortable for large parts. And actually that 3-1 scoreline, I think kind of flatters them a bit. Yeah. Because um, we were very, we were comfortable pretty much all the game. They did have some chances in the second half and, you know, towards the last 20 minutes, they seemed to get back in the game, but we managed the game. We were managing the game at that point. And um, no, we were really comfortable. I thought every member of that back four and the goalkeeper did their bit. I thought Tommy Asu was outstanding. I thought I thought Gabriel and uh, Ben White were really good. I thought Tierney. I mean, no, they were all just really good. I don't know what else to say, but yeah, yeah, everyone was really good. They they were, and like, I mean, one of the reasons Ben White was signed was was for his distribution, and I know that he's had a uh, not his distribution, sorry, but you know his his um, his passing ability and ability to pick out a pass. And I know he's he's not had the easiest start as an Arsenal player, but. We saw it. Um, we saw. We've seen it. We've seen it in every game that he's played. But we saw it again. Like he's looking like a really, really classy player on the ball. And I'm. Re and and not only that, he quite surprisingly dominated. Like I think someone said it earlier. He's quite. He quite surprisingly dominated Harry Kane. Like there was. Yeah, well, Jamie Carragher said he he bullied him. Bullied him. Yeah, that's a good good mm. way of putting it. Yeah. Um. You know. Yeah. Winning it. Winning things aerially. And Harry Kane's very, very good in the air. He's a very physical player. So um, really, really impressed with him. And I think like we also should probably say like. When, when we were 
sort of previewing the season, I think we were linked. Uh, I'm thinking back to one of our preview episodes. We were linked with Ramsdale on that day and um, we weren't sure if we were going to sign him or not. I think that was the day that the talks then broke down and then obviously started again. And we've obviously signed him in, since then. Um, and, you know, Ramsdale for 20, 25 million, whatever he was, Ben White for 50 odd million. No one had heard of Tommy Asu before. I mean, look, it's only sort of six games into the league season, but you've got to give the club a lot of credit if, if, you know, if they can keep this up, I'm not saying we're going to go and win every game and, and smash every team 3-0 in the first half, but, you know, it looks like we potentially have a back four and a goalkeeper for, for years to come. Um, mm. And, you know, uh, a couple of them are English as well, which is always nice. Um, at the perfect, well, perfect age pro- profile for the future, um, for the next few years. And, you know, you don't, you don't really, like, when we were signing these players and when we lost to City 5-0, Everyone was coming out and saying, you know, Ben White shit and whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we were getting mm-hmm. so much criticism. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ramsdale's come in. He's just grabbed the number one shirt off Leno. And there's absolutely no doubt now who's who our number one is. And Leno should not be playing Premier League. Game. Well, I'm being a bit harsh, but not that Leno did anything wrong. But you guys know what I mean, right? Ramsdale's just mm-hmm. been very, very absolutely, good. And he just brings that assurance to the defence. So, um, yeah, like, I just think it's worth just, you know, giving a shout out to, to Eddie really, and, and whoever else is, you know, um, Arteta and whoever else is, uh, you know, picking these players out, you know, the scouting department, because like really good work, man. Like we have to we have to be happy as Arsenal fans that these guys are turning up now. And um, yeah, hopefully it continues. Hopefully it's not like a short term thing and only time will tell. But as a, as a fan, you know, very, really, really happy and really excited with it. You ha- And you have to give you have to give Arteta and Edu a shout out, partly because there's so much voice on social media, which is mm. the other way, who's been completely critical, completely anti, and we we should we you know we don't we on this pod on this podcast we have an agenda as fans, we have an agenda as supporters of Arsenal Football Club. That's the only agenda we have, mm-hmm. right? So so we ourselves we wondered about Ramsdale yeah. as soon as we, but we always said we would absolutely get a hundred percent behind it, but we wondered. But you're right, Mike. Like. Tommy, Tommy Asu, no one's, no one's heard. Let, I mean, let's talk about him for a second. No one had heard of him, really. Let's be honest. Like, ninety-nine percent of Arsenal fans had only heard of him because Spurs were linked with him at the beginning of the window. We signed him. Spurs went for Emerson Royal instead. I can't remember a player settling in so fast mm. to the Premier League. Mm. And contrast that, it's going to sound like this is a bit Tottenham bashing is a very, very kind of proud. We are an Arsenal podcast, so we can do that. And we've just, you know, we've had a big game, which we want. So we can do that. Everson Royale, who they signed instead, was not deemed good enough to start this game because of, you know, how poorly he settled in thus far. Tommy Asu, on the other hand, was against Son, one of the best players in the world in his third game in the Premier League. And he was yeah. comfortable. He was yeah. comfortable. And he said, I mean, it, it, it's, it, yeah, speech, <laughs> not much more to say, I guess. Yeah, but no, I mean, no, no, sorry, yeah, I thought I was going to, yeah, yeah, sorry. sorry. No, no, I just, I, I was going to agree, but then I was like, yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think what I really like about Tommy Asu is, you know, in this era where fans are all crying out for, let's go and find another Trent Eric Alexander Arnold to go alongside our, like, Kieran Tierney type in attacking football. For which which some of us wanted, I wanted. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and like, uh, it's, it's quite a common perception, right? Because everyone sees what Liverpool have done. Everyone sees what we've done with Tierney. And they think, right, let's get the right-sided version of that. But what, what we've gone and signed is like, this dude is going to be, like, he's very happy to be like, right, you guys go ahead and do the attacking bit. But when they come up the other end, I'm just going to deal with this. Mm. Um, and anything that comes down this side, mm. I've got. And when Kieran, Kieran Tierney goes up, when Sakasaka goes up, when Smith Rowe goes up, when Abamian goes up, um, Tommy Asu is just just there, either in right back or drifting across because he can play in the middle because he's played for a long time as a centre back. And he's like, I'm I'm just going to chill here and I'm just going to defend, and that's pretty much all I'm going to do. I know there were moments when he did drift forward now and then, but it's just so he's just so old school in that sense, mm. and. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. It's just, you know, the attacking players are great, but sometimes you can just watch a defensive performance and just think, yeah, that, that's good. And I think so far he's put in a few of those shifts. And he's just going to give that that defensive stability will give others confidence, you know. 
to do their things with more conviction. Do you feel that Saka is going to really benefit from having a player like Tommy Asso at right back wise? Yeah, I mean, you can see it from a lot of the kind of attacking um, like phases and uh, the attacking play. Like Aaron said, Tommy Asso is more than happy to kind of sit as that, not really a third centre back, but he just he sits, lets Tierney, Tierney bomb forward. Obviously, Saka's going to bomb forward. So, yeah, potentially, if, if Saka keeps playing on the right, and this is where the Pepe kind of conundrum comes in, because um, I'm I'm, I'm uh, pretty confident he is going to be starting games as well. Um, but, yeah, if you're saying that Saka's starting on the right, then I, I think it does give him full licence to, to do what he does. And it's almost like he doesn't have to worry too much about well, not, not that he doesn't have to worry, but he can probably go forward and not have to worry too much about his defensive duties. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully it helps him. Yeah, and and I think with the question about Pepe, there's something interesting which I'd kind of like to discuss after we finish talking about this game, which is about how Granit Xhaka's injury may actually be doing Pepe a, little, a bit of a favour in terms of him getting minutes um, indirectly. But just... When we just let's just cover off the rest of the game, guys, because actually there wasn't too much more by way of highlights per se. Um, I think there were there were two penalty shouts at either end at some point. Harry Kane had a penalty shout, Gabrielle had a penalty shout. Uh, I don't think we need to spend too much time talking about it. They were both they were both not given. Uh, whatever they, they should have uh, had a penalty though. I suppose that was a penalty. I, I I didn't I didn't see that. Was that? Did you think it should have been yeah, a penalty? Look, yeah? I, I can't believe they didn't. Yeah, I'm very surprised. I I, I didn't realize at the time. Um, yeah, one of those. Two. Wait. Yeah, yeah exactly. Me. No, I was just saying in the ground, completely passed me by that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even yeah, realise it was an incident. Yeah. Well, my friend messaged me after the game and he said, "Listen, without your ass, he's a Tottenham fan. He's, he, he said, without your Tottenham bias, without Arsenal bias, do you think it's a penalty?" I go, I, mate, I genuinely during the game, <laughs> I, I didn't even, I genuinely didn't even know there was a penalty shout. Yeah, yeah genuinely didn't, didn't realise, didn't realise at all. Um, it's a bit weird with with VAR, to be honest. It's quite surprising that they that um, yeah we got a decision like that for us. Um, so yeah, I mean, not going to complain. But I think I think the Gabriel one, I don't think that was a penalty. It would have been quite a soft one if that was given. Um, but yeah, I think they should have had a penalty for sure. Okay, well, luckily they didn't. Um, and then another incident before Tottenham scored, I believe it was top before Tottenham scored, was the Xhaka injury. Um, mm. Now. This is pretty unfortunate, to be honest, because whatever way you look at it, you know, whether whether you want Jacker in the starting level or, or not, um, we need central midfielders this season. And Partey and El Nelny, as we've spoken about before, will go to African nations. It looks like Granit Xhaka's out um, for two months, um, which is disappointing because... You know, he, he he kind of picked up today from where he had at the back end of last today. Sorry, he picked up on Sunday where he did from 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 back end of last season, um, and he and he and he looked really really good. Um, I mean, guys, do you do you think that do you think that we will see Lokonga because obviously Lokonga came on and, and he had minutes. Will, will Lokonga go straight and take that take that spot, or can you see a move back to four three three now? I say move back. We've only had one think, game. It's four three three. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to depend on the opposition. To be honest, um, clearly, I think I think you guys, Raj, possibly I'm not sure who, but uh, said about you know the four three four three three uh, being kind of a preferred um, long term strategy or formation for Arteta. And I guess it's almost like you know with Xhaka being injured for so long, it, it kind of forces his hand a little bit, potentially like, you know, it might just make him think, oh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm limited in central midfield now. I may as well go for that, go for it. But then we've got Brighton next. They're kind of fly, flying. You know, they're doing pretty well. Um, so I can see Lukonga coming in because again, like, you know, Lukonga has been another player who's just come straight in and just done a really good job. And I can't remember him putting a foot wrong really in any game that he's played. So um, I think it's. I think it's just a case of depending on the opposition, and he's got he's got options in terms of switching up the system. The thing that concerns me, despite everything we say about Xhaka, is we're quite light in that central midfield area. Like it's an obvious thing to say, right? So yeah. if if Party gets yeah. injured, I don't know how long. You know, since Party joined us last season, what's the longest run of games he's had? Like I don't know, ten games maybe. I'm completely guessing, but that's a bit of a worry because you could predict you can predict it happening in the next few weeks. Um, party potentially getting injured and then we are effed basically if that happens in the yeah. next couple of months so um 
yeah, going to be interesting what he does. Uh, but yeah, I think I think he can probably he's got options. I think the fact that you've got so you haven't got many central midfield options might just make him think I'll go. I can go with the the four through three and and yeah, you know you said it, Raj. You know, maybe that brings Pepe back in um, or another attacking player like Martinelli. Um, but he can fully rely on Lukonga as well, um, which is yeah. which is really good. You know, it's not like he's got he's got too many worries about bringing Lukonga in. So yeah, yeah. I think the one thing I'd be concerned about with Lukonga is just I wonder if that tips the age profile of the team to maybe becoming a bit too inexperienced or a bit too young. The thing I liked about Sunday was you had all these young players and then in the middle you had Partey and Jacker and then Aubameyang up front who were like this core of experienced players. And, you know, say what you want about Jacker and his inconsistency and how he can be very, very frustrating at times. For the 75% of the time that he's not frustrating, he does act as that that kind of general in the team, the experienced head to just try and keep it all going. Um, and, you know, losing Xhaka for two months, you know, there's no there's no way anyone can find a positive in that, I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah, you can say it. Yeah, you can say like, okay, it's good because this person will get more minutes. And that's fine in terms of starting 11. But in terms of the best central midfielders at Arsenal, Granit Xhaka is still up there purely because of the fact that we don't have that many central midfielders that are like at all. Yeah, completely agree. I think, Aaron, I think a point you mentioned there is spot on. I don't think that there's any way you can find a positive out of being out, him being out for two months. You know, whatever way you look at, I don't think you can. And and look, let's we'll preview Brighton in a second because I think we need to move. Let let's. Let's finish talking about the game very, very finally. You know, we don't need to talk about their consolation goal so much. It was a, it was a, a you know, goal from Son. Ramsdale got his hand to it. Uh, he said after the game that, um, you know, how disappointed he was not to get a clean sheet. And he mentioned about how he felt that if his weight was a bit more forward, then maybe he would have been able to, um, you know, deflect the ball away as opposed to it kind of almost go through his hand. Let's talk about the save he did make. <laughs> right. He made. An absolute worldie at the death um, to stop it being three two and and potentially getting very very uncomfortable. Mm. Oh geez, I mean, did did you appreciate how good that save no. was at the time? No, I didn't. No. I still, when you watch it back, it's still like so weird to watch. Like I don't know how, like the way he, he's obviously going, he's falling back or you know diving back, falling back, and it's he's obviously you, you think he's going to go with one hand, but then he sort of twists his body and goes with the other. It, sorry, there's a fly flying around in front of me. Um, yeah, and uh, you should have gone with the other hand, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a ridiculous save. I don't even think it's been talked about enough, you know. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of baffled as to how he even made that save. And yeah, like you said, Raj, crucial, crucial save at a crucial point of the game. And yeah, thank, thank, thankfully, he made it. Um, it's just been so impressive, hasn't he? Mm. He, he has. We should just, you know, let, let's conclude and talk about him. I mean, it's not just his, his shot stopping because you know that that's been that's been good but in but Leno was a good shot stopper you know mm-hmm. they're, they're good shot stoppers there's an assertiveness there's a passion there's something that let's, let's recall one thing he did that was really interesting do you remember when we were it was in the first half and the ball just went out and I've actually it's funny because I've 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 exchanged tweets with this ball boy um because he <laughs> yeah because basically it was, it was quite funny it was it was quite funny because do you remember there was that instant yeah. where the ball boy had the ball and Ramsdale was screaming at him they basically just slow it down slow mm. down slow down and I found that so interesting from Ramsdale was like he was he was determined he was just like it wasn't like you know he was like really, really passionate. And we are, we are dominating the game at this point, but Ramsdale is fully, fully focused. And you know, the, <laughs> the ball boy did a great, it was great from that moment on the ball boy was fantastic. Uh, and someone called him out on Twitter and then he, and he, and he responded saying, yeah, that was me. So I made sure that he knew that the North bank appreciated um, what he did, but yeah, like Ramsdale, I think that typifies Ramsdale's character for me. Yeah. I am. Um, I made the observation that if, Let's say, for example, you only watched or on match of the day this season, and or even like you only watch Arsenal on Sky TV or online, and you saw certain bits of the game, 
and you compared Ramsdale with Leno, I don't think you would be able to say there's been a big improvement because all you see is this dude in goal. He makes, makes a few good saves. And yeah, you can say okay, he's a bit more assertive in crosses. But where you do notice it is when you're at the game and he's, we're really lucky because we sit behind the goal. So we get, you know, almost front row seats of watching him for at least 45 minutes. And the difference in what sort of presence that he has is, you know, it's night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I'm, I like, really like Leno. I don't want to say that, you know, this is, that Leno is rubbish or anything like that. But, and, and when Leno was in goal, I didn't think we needed to improve in that area. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that I've been saying this for all along. But you know, it's, it's very, very obvious how much better Ramsdale is from a presence point of view. And I, I don't know if that comes across on TV. I don't know if that comes across certainly on that match of the day, for example. But when you see him there, you see how vocal he is. You see how he's talking to the defenders. There was this one moment when I think Leno saved a shot from, might have been Son, sorry, when Ramsdale saved a shot from Kane. And then Tommy Asu then got to the the second ball and put it out from a corner and they both went absolutely mental like cheering it and they came up to each other and like chest bumped each other <laughs> and then went carried on to defend the corner like that if that happens with Leno in goal I don't think that that interaction between Tommy Asu and Leno wouldn't happen yeah. having that presence having that character in goal which um you can't really show in stats comparisons, for example. Yeah, agreed. It feels like he's the keeper we need at the moment. Mm. <laughs> yeah, for this journey, for this kind of growth, it, it, it is. And right, I mean, let's let's look forward. Okay, um, we have turned it around somewhat this season. Okay, somewhat we have turned it around. Okay, we winning three games in a row. Any team at any stage of the season is good, and we've done that. And we are now going into a period where, you know, if we if we if we look back, we have we've played Spurs, we've played Man City, we've played Chelsea. So there's three three games which are you know pretty tough opponents, and we are when we where we are. Um, now, if we look forward, the next six games are certainly winner winnable games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're certainly winnable games. Um, you know, I know fine. We've got Leicester in there in that pack away, I think. And I think, you know, we're at home to Villa and Villa have, have beaten Man United. But if you look at the performance against Tottenham, and if we play to 90% of that, do you think that we're capable of winning all those six games, Mice? Um, I was gonna, I was hoping you're gonna read out the fixtures, mate. <laughs> um, I think I've got an idea who we're playing. I know it's Brighton, Villa Palace. Watford in there. Yeah, Leicester away. And, um, yeah. Brighton. Brighton away. Palace at home. Villa at home. Then Leeds at home in the Cup. Then Leicester away. Then Watford at home before an international break. Right. I mean, look, mate, at the end of the day, we are clearly capable of winning any game of football. Like, I think even if we come up against some of the best sides on our day, we could, you know, we can't, we can't beat them. So, this is not really a case of can we go on a run? Uh, well, can we win all of those games? It's more a case of I'm kind of looking at I'm kind of looking at Arteta to tell this team, tell this squad, like to get it in their heads. Just take it game by game. Like, don't worry about the game in two weeks' time. Just take it game by game and get them ready for that game that we have coming up next. So, obviously, Brighton in this case. Like, like you said, if he can get the output, you know, if you can get like, yeah, 80, 90% of the same kind of output and energy that we gave against Spurs, which is quite difficult, you know, in the sense that you, you, you know, North London Derby, you just, you're geared up for it, you know, mm. um, and the crowd just helped massively on Sunday. So it's going to be a different type of challenge. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that Arteta, this is where like, I'm kind of looking at Arteta to see how he does with regards to getting the players up for a, yeah, a different occasion, a different type of game, and just doing it on a game-by-game basis. Because like I said, we're clearly capable of beating all of those teams you just mentioned. Like, There's absolutely no doubt about it. We're probably better than all of them bar, bar Leicester, if you're looking at the last couple of seasons. So 
yeah, I don't see any well, those reasons why that's not going to happen, why we're not going to win all of them. But yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, look, I'm not expecting we're going to get 18 points, no. But um, things definitely look a lot more positive, uh, obviously. And, um, you know, if we can keep certain players fit, like the, the last thing that we need now is like one of the back four to get injured because it just disrupts everything. Like I can, we had a fully fit squad um, to choose from against Spurs and that lasted that that amazing kind of <laughs> whatever you want to call it lasted one game right with Xhaka now out so I just hope that's not the start of like um, you know a bit of a, a bit of a spree of injuries and if we can keep like a lot of these players fit you know Saka, Smithrow, how key they are to us Erdegaard um, yeah why not man why not like just take it game by game and let's just see let's not worry about um, trying to amass you know, trying to set a target of you know 15 points from 18 or whatever it is. Let's just, let's just mm-hmm. go to Brighton, win that game, hopefully, and then go to the next one. You know, there's no Europe, like keep saying, no Europe to worry about. So you could just focus on the league games. That's all you've got to worry about. And, and Aaron, and you, yeah, you, 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 sorry to cut you off, Mike. No, um, you know, Aaron, and you, you said this in the last podcast and you, you said this a number of times. It's not to do well in this league. You don't necessarily have to beat those big teams. It's not the big teams mm. that you need to make sure you're beating, is it? Yeah, exactly. So it's these games now are very winnable. And, you know, the key advantage of not having European football is not just the fact that we have more time to prepare, but we could and probably should play the same 11 players pretty much every Premier League game now. Yeah, same back five. Um, Partey in midfield, Aubameyang up front, Smith Rowe, Saka. And yes, with the Xhaka injury, you probably have to, you know, rotate, but you rotate and you find that replacement and then you stick with that replacement for the next five or six league games um so that's what i think like you said my the injuries are going to be key if we can keep especially that back four Mm. stable that gives us such a big advantage when other teams are going to have to rotate because they can't play that same 11 players um week in week out so our our kind of rivals for fifth or fourth or sixth or whatever you think we should be doing you're talking teams like Leicester, like Man United, like Spurs, like West Ham, and all the teams around them. They're not going to be able to play the same 11 week in, week out for every Premier League game because they're going to have to be going away on away in Europe on Thursdays. And we know how difficult and disruptive that can be in terms of your ability to play a consistent 11. So, yeah, I think if we keep these players fit, we have every chance of going on a run. So I just hope we don't get any more bad luck. Yeah, and the beginning of that run is Brighton on uh, on Saturday. Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I had uh, I did our scouting report. You know, I went to uh, I went to Palace uh, yesterday. Very much, um, I was very much a Palace fan yesterday, um, and and I could say a lot about the, the the game itself, but I don't think we necessarily have time for that. But what I will say was, you know, it really felt like Palace really dominated Brighton, and I was really not impressed with Brighton I really wasn't I said to my I said to my mate Kish who I went with you know I said to him before the game when we were talking about it and knowing where Brighton were in the league and doing Brighton doing pretty well right if they had won yesterday I think they would have gone top and I said I said to him like are they are Brighton a good team and he was like no they're not a good team <laughs> and, I, and I thought like that's that's the rivalry coming out like you know whatever um but they were really 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 average were they um... I, that, were they missing Basuma yesterday? They were missing Basuma. And that I was just going to say that was a huge loss because mm. he's the Crystal best Palace... in the Premier League, apparently, isn't he? That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, according to him. <laughs> according to him, he is. And to be honest, like you know, they the midfield was completely bypassed. Conor Gallagher and James McArthur completely, completely dominated that midfield yesterday. Um, so I think uh, Basuma, if he is still out for the Arsenal game, because Graham Potter said that they are hopeful that he'll be fit. I think usually when managers say that, it usually probably means that they are going to be fit. Mm. Um, if he doesn't play, I think that's a massive, massive loss. And I think, you know, if, if, if he does play, because he played last season when they came to the Emirates, right? Like, mm. and it was a pretty comfortable 2-0, 2-0 victory. They had Ben White in their team as well. Um, you know, what, what do you guys think? I mean, we'll get to specific predictions, but you know, do, do you think Brighton is a game that, would you take a draw? No. Yeah, I don't think I would. Yeah. Wait, ultimately, I'll... yeah. Ultimately, we are we are Arsenal, and we are 
we have considerably more expensive, better played paid players than they do. And as well as they are doing, and I, I don't know, I'm not sure I agree with Kesh that say Brighton are not a good team. They've always been a team, in my opinion, that statistically have been quite good, but just never really been able to put away their chances. And now they at least seem to be getting a little bit better at putting away their chances. And um, I think Graham Potter's a, a really good manager. So he's clearly improved them, but you know, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the top six come the end of the season. So we should be, if we have real ambitions of finishing that top six, if not higher, we should be going there to try and win. Yeah, I mean, statistically, I mean, they they still aren't scoring that many goals. They've scored eight goals, which is, you know, not, I think it's, it's sort of joint worse than that top 10. Um, but even without the loss of Ben White, they still seem to be defending okay. I think they've only, only conceded five goals. We did that in one game. And so, I mean, they haven't seemingly missed Ben White that much. Um, but, you know, my, if, if Arsenal, if Arsenal, to, again, this goes back to this, you know, we, let's assume they don't turn up at, at 100% like they did against mm. Spurs because it's not the North London derby. But, you know, if, if, they t- if, they, if they're even close to that, surely it's too much for Brighton. Yeah, you would like to think so. I mean, look, mate, I'll be completely honest. I'm, uh, I, I have not even thought about the Brighton game. <laughs> I've just been uh, on, a, on a nice hangover from, from Sunday, um, genuinely, um, and that's sort of watching the goals over and over again. So um, I haven't really thought too much about the Brighton game. But yeah, look, yeah, it, I, if, we, if, we come, if we come, if we approach the game in the same way, that we did against Spurs and we come out kind of firing uh, and up for it. And I use that term quite a lot because a lot of the time we don't start games like we're up for the game. Um, then I fully expect us to, to, to win. Um, and I think what Aaron and said is, is very, very valid. And I agree with that, that if you look at the sort of both the squads and you look at some of the players that we've got and the fact that we've pretty much got a fully fit squad as well, um, and there's no games midweek and all, all of those factors, I think they're, they're big factors. And um, yeah, I think we should be going there and definitely looking for three points. Um, yeah. How will he set up, guys? Do you think with the Xhaka injury, whether or not that, that will impact it, um, how do you think he'll set up? Will he go for this formation that he played against at Spurs or will he go for the formation that he played away at Burnley, which is the 4-3-3? What do you think, Aaron? I think, I think it'll be that away at Burnley. I think Erdegaard will drop a bit deeper. Smith Rowe will maybe move a bit more centrally and then maybe we play Pepe on the left, potentially, because I think Saka looks really good on the right. And I think I'd be a bit reluctant to move him away from the right-hand side. So it might just mean actually, instead of settling for Saka on the left, we actually settle for Pepe on the left. What do you think, Mars? Um... I would not be surprised if Lukonga comebacks in, like I was saying before. I think he's a player that Arteta is able to trust um, based on kind of what he's done so far for us. So I wouldn't be surprised if, he, you know, it's, it's still an away game. If Basuma is back, you know, he's a pretty big midfield presence. I don't know if you want to go kind of 1v1 party v Basuma. So I could see Lukonga coming back in and then you don't really have to change too much. I mean, Pepe scored both goals against them last season at home. Like you yeah. might look at that and think, you know, uh, is it worth bringing him back in and you know freshening it up a little bit? Um, but yeah, I could see him playing the midfield too again. Yeah, I mean, annoyingly, even if we you know, such was our poor start to the season, even if we beat Brighton, we don't actually go above them. Um, but shall we take some predictions, guys? How do you think it's going to go, Aaron? And I will go to you first. Um, I will go 2 0 away win. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three two, Arsenal. Ooh. Um, I think it'll be a, yeah, it might be a really good game. But yeah, I'm gonna go three two on absolute no, basing it on very little because, like I said, I haven't really thought about the game. I am gonna go for a for a two one Arsenal win. We're all going for all very confident after. Yeah. I think so, and I, and I feel we should. You know, we should. We should be. I, I feel like we should be. I think if we weren't, if we if we went with anything other than predicting a victory, then I think it's just us kind of being, you know, almost scarred. 
mm. by the by the Arsenal of, of past. But you know, we, we we've won three games on the bounce, uh, and we should be beating Brighton. Right, as I said, like you know, after watching them the other day, I really didn't think there was too much about them. Mm. Um, you know, we could go if we win, we go potentially to the dizzy heights of seventh, which would. It's better than we finished last season. I mean, it, we, 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 we we probably won't, you know, because obviously we we need all the other results to, to go our way. But, um, you know, it certainly sets us up in a pretty in a pretty positive light. We currently are four points behind the likes of uh, Man United, Chelsea, Man City. Um, it's, it's really not that far at all. And I'm not saying necessarily that we should be you know, using the top of the league as the very benchmark. But but at the moment, guys, like the gap isn't that big anymore and and we're feeling quite positive aren't we so i'm not i'm not i'm going to hesitate to ask this question but have your expectations of the season and where we could finish changed have they changed at all not for me no i, I can't remember always, where yeah yeah i, can't I remember what i said fifth so you said fifth i think I, I can't remember what i said at the start of the season but no it hasn't changed for me at all mate um Six games in, one three, lost three. Um, yeah, look, it's positive at the moment, but it only takes one bad result and everything changes. So, um, like I said, I just want to take it game by game and um, let's see where we go. But like six would be a lot of, you know, six would be progress this season. So I think that's kind of got to be be the aim. If we can get a push for top four, then amazing. Like that will be exceeding expectations, but I personally can't see it over the course of a season. Um so yeah, no expectations hasn't haven't changed for me not yet. Yeah, I, I I'd agree with you, Mize. I think that one of the main reasons for that is actually a point that you guys touched on before, which is injuries. Mm. I, I don't I don't think that we are there yet to cope with any. Say if if, if a couple of these guys get injured, I think that a couple of these guys are very very important to the way we're playing yeah. right now, um, and I think that's probably the concern. But um, but yeah, look, good. So so 